Oh, hell, do you read me? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. What's up, everybody? You're listening to a brand new episode of the All Things Dave podcast, and I'm your host, Phantom Dark Dave. Today, I got Neil Fraser back on the show, and we're going to talk to you guys about horror that inspires us. What's up, Neil? How you doing, Dave? Man, I'm doing okay. I just had this thought. It's like, man, what is it about all things horror that makes me who I am? And Neil, you and I are both fans of a lot of things pop culture but more than anything, I would say we're both massive horror fans. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's kind of the 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 exciting genre when, especially when you were a kid growing up, um, and there's just that infectiousness that comes with it. And and I'm, we're going to get into all the great details, I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple of stories that, that 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 we can go into about how I ended up getting into horror. I'm sure we've spoken about it a long time ago, but. Um, yeah, I can't, I've been looking forward to this since we uh, since we mentioned it. Yeah, and when I look around my room, nothing stands out more than my love for the horror genre. And what horror has done for me for my entire life has been, it's kind of been my lifeline. It's like my crutch. It's what got me through so many dark days, as well as a beautiful, happy sunshine days. You know, you still always come back to the horror. It's really been my driving force and I got a few friends in the horror genre who I know we all feel the same way but the reason I brought you on this podcast is my contributions to the horror genre are vocal and well my writing their narrative right I write scripts for the show I've wrote written um <laughs> my language is bad but that's okay I've written short stories you know I've had some published works and everything but I really do love to delve in the horror genre and when i think about you you're a visual artist you're a poster creator and man how much has the horror genre influenced and inspired you in what you do i mean the same as you i mean um i think without horror i'm not 100 percent convinced i'd even be here now so it's 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 got me out of a lot of funks um and you know when i think back to you know childhood and rough times i had when i was a kid the the some of the happy memories i have are looking at 
horror VHS covers or, or you know walking down blockbuster video always the section I went to first just looking at horror looking at you know I think also because I grew up in like you know the that time in the 80s where video nasties and they were like you know ban ban horror but it was, it was evil um it just made as a you know a young kid it's like I want to see what the, what's going on here like like the more you say I can't watch it the more I'm going to watch it that's what happens um but it's it's you know as, I, as I've grown up and then sort of continued um, into the sort of modern horror um, art world, my kind of ambition now is to make kids or young you know younger people feel the same way I did when I saw horror posters and horror VHS covers. I want to inspire the next generation of horror lovers because. You know, it visually that's what got me into it, and I, I you know, the, the fact that I, I have the opportunity to do the same to, to to other, you know, youngsters. And I mean, I had it, there was a um, I was at a convention oh, about a month ago, and um, somebody came up to see me, and they said that they'd come over to see me because I was their favorite artist on the planet. Wow, which is crazy because. Like I don't, I don't know how to respond to that, <laughs> yeah. Because that's not how I, like, uh, as an as you know, um, an artist yourself in terms of writing and and you know, creative, you you're always your own worst critic. Like, sure. Um, I don't, I really understand what people see and stuff I do because I, you know, I sp- I think what people fail to realize that aren't that don't do the creative is the the time you put into it, I've stared at something so long that I almost despise it by the time I finished it because it's just <laughs> hours and hours and hours of staring at the same thing where somebody will see it for the first time and go, oh, I love that. Not the same for me, but I've always had that appreciation of, of, of like visual art um, because that's all we had back, back when I was growing up. That's all we had. Like That's how you sold a film. I mean, there's no internet, no kind of... If you didn't see it in a magazine uh, or see it just on a shelf, then there was no there was no sort of real way of, of kind of seeing it. So you had to be grabbed by these, these amazing covers. So in a sense, we can thank the VHS covers for what you've become today. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've kind of always tried to have that, have that style in mind when I first started out doing this. I mean, I've evolved slightly since, but um, that's my driving force is the kind of, how do I get a how do I get across a feel and a tone um, for a film instantly? Yeah, especially because in it's... a world where the VHS covers are they're sought after by collectors, but then that's it. There's really no exposure to it. No, uh, and I mean I think like like I like I said before when uh, we're talking, God, hmm, I would have been about seven, so sort of mid eighties. We used to have the the guy in his van that would drive around and he would start he was a VHS not a pervert he was a VHS like rental mobile rental guy uh, it was literally just a guy in a dirty van who would open up the back doors and pull out racks of VHS tapes um, and my next door neighbour his dad used to go and get I'm sure it was movies for mum and dad uh, but he would always say we could get something and we would just go through these racks of VHS and you never knew what you were going to get I mean it was because it was shady, we could get 18s. So it was like the first 
opportunity for us to see films that we would never have been able to get. Um, so I, I got to see some bizarre, bizarre films that just uh, all being picked on purely from the box art. Right, right. And, you know, as an... As a kid, I think back and I'm like, that just sounds incredible. That's literally, you hear the term a kid in a candy store. That's how you and I would be at Blockbuster. But as an adult, my first thought isn't necessarily like, oh, Neil, you're safety. It's like, how long are those tapes sitting in that van? Because those are sure to melt and warn over time. <laughs> Uh, to, to, to be fair, it never gets hot enough in uh, in, in the UK for that to happen. But um, uh to be honest, the quality of VHS back then was so bad, I don't think you could tell if they had been melted, to be honest. On a 13-inch uh, tube TV, everything in full-screen format just looks great as long as you sit close enough to it. Yeah. <laughs> everything was blurred, so it didn't really matter. Um, but but I think we've, we've said before, I mean, when... I mean, my childhood was, was not amazing. Um, and we... My escape would be, you know, if I, I was sort of sent to my grandparents' house the whole summer so my, my dad could work his two jobs and stuff... Uh, and sort of, it was very rare back then for houses to have TVs in multiple rooms. It was, it was, you know, you'd have the one TV, and maybe, maybe Nan and Granddad would have their black and white TV in the in their bedroom, but you wouldn't get them in. Um, but my grandparents had a bit of money, and they had this big old, sort of, barely colour TV in the spare bedroom. And I was used, can I can I sleep in the spare room? And then sort of Friday night, you'd wait till they'd gone to bed turn it on and there was always always a horror film on at sort of 11 11 p.m 12 p.m um wouldn't know what it was going to be it was just like please please let it be a film on and that's how i first saw uh alligator um that's where my love for um uh, halloween 3 comes from it's first first time i saw that was you know huddled up under a blanket at sort of eight, eight years old trying to Please don't let them come in. <laughs> that's a, that's a couple of pretty amazing name drops. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's been some sort of resurgence with Alligator. I would say huh. five years ago, it appeared that most of the community, maybe half of the horror community, didn't see this movie, wasn't aware of it. And I don't know if it was just the relaunch of Blu-ray or 4K. You know, a lot of these companies now are re-rendering these movies in better quality and whatnot but i remember andy brought that to my attention and i saw it for the first time in 2018 and i thought well, that was just one of the greatest 80s monster movies i had ever seen it was phenomenal oh i mean we, we we've we saw it before i mean we both love creature features there's um, i mean there was abundance of them back then so uh, they've that is one of you know i i like alligator too as well to be honest um, you know i've never seen it the second one really good last time really i checked good. it was available on one of the streaming services and that hold on a minute like that might be a today watch are you, are you telling me i need to see this movie yeah absolutely it's okay. um really solid if you if you enjoyed the first one really solid and your sequels guy so i was gonna I say would... you know me really well if you're saying this is something i you know i don't want a grizzly 2 on my hands i want an alligator too if this is good <laughs> then i'm watching it <laughs> Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Alligator too, um, but I mean, the, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. I mean, are we uh, what was that I watched the other night? I think it's called Flood or something, which is Casper Van Dien. Oh, that um, says all I need to know. Yep, <laughs> you know, that's the that's the level we're talking about. But um, he's he's uh, one of the kings of B movies, is he not? Oh, uh, I, I love 
anything with Casper Van because it's it's going to deliver that campiness, mm-hmm. that that fun, that fun ninety minutes. Uh, gonna be in a Casper Van Dien film. It's like Casper um, Van Dien reached his stardom in Starship Troopers and Sleepy Hollow, the one with Johnny Depp. But for me, just put him against a giant snake. That's the kind of horror movie I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, you're in for a good time if, if his name comes up in the in, in the credits. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we had um, oh, what was that one last year with the the alligators and the, and the floods in um, oh, crawl, crawl. Um, yeah, it, it's just. It seems because we had a, you know, we had an explosion of sort of sharp films in like 2019, 2020. Then it was alligators. Um, bears seem to be coming back in now. Yep. So um, I, I'm, I'm very much for a resurgence in creature features because I, I love them. How about earlier you mentioned, you know, the covers of VHS tapes. Let's talk about magazines and books. Was there mm. anything growing up, uh, you know, obviously horror genre, either books or magazines that helped associate in what you do? Uh, I mean, I, it's sort of the, the early to mid 80s was like the explosion of kind of uh, marketing. So especially when you had like franchise, big franchises start to come out. So they would they were sort of throwing money at Gremlins. They were throwing money at Nightmare on Elm Street. So you would get these kind of uh, full page ads that were kind of made to sell the the VHS. So sure. so um, I I don't think I mean because sort of magazine wise. No, I used to just read like Porsche magazine. I mean, I, I wasn't into. Um, that, like my dad wouldn't buy me like horror magazines. I don't think there were really that many. You didn't have a subscription when. to Fangoria, is that what you're telling me? Uh, I'm not even sure Fangoria was available in in England in, in 1985. Okay. Um, okay. And if it was, it would have been very very difficult to get hold of. It my my local shop probably wouldn't have stocked it. Um, but any um, of the major movie content magazines would feature something as not as heavily as Fangoria obviously or Cinescape mm. or something but there would always be a page or two on whatever the big motion picture coming is and you would see clips of like your Freddy your Jason Alien Predator and what have you but I know you you mentioned Blockbuster that was a place where I discovered a lot of those horror magazines yeah I mean especially because Blockbuster used to do like you know the coming soon and the, they, they'd have like a little brochure almost of, of stuff that was upcoming um, and that was where I would go I need to see this I need to see this um, but to be honest like I I was sort of got into sort of being allowed to watch horror like at the sort of tail end of the 80s so I had like a decade of just insanely awesome low budget horror films just at my mercy <laughs> like it was i would i would love to go back to that time where i hadn't seen anything from the 80s sure and just discover everything all over again well see you try to feed that need every time you go down your 1980s creature feature youtube rabbit hole yeah um youtube's been a bit of a blessing actually with 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 the sort of Sometimes I'll just go, I'll find a playlist of like a 1980s horror, and there would just be a playlist with like 150 films on it. Just just hit play, see what comes up, like randomize it. Um, 
stuff that I've seen but not for like 20 years and there's I've never even seen this and then stuff that I know I should have seen but I haven't and um, it, it's just great to, to, to kind of have on I mean I have this little um, Alexa screen thing in my office and I, I'll just get I'll just turn yourself on now I've said that um, <laughs> uh, and I, I'll just set stuff on there and um, just sometimes just let them play out while I'm doing other stuff and it's just it's that comforting sound of <laughs> sounds like a psychopath the comforting no. sounds of screams and, and, and murders. okay i mean yes you do but <laughs> i get you man a lot of times i do what's called tablet time and i'm not somebody who spends a, a terrible amount of time on my phone unless i'm on ebay or researching something on imdb that's usually it with my tablet though I really only play one or two games on there, and they're just kind of mindless fun games, nothing too crazy. But there's something about putting on a good horror movie in the background and just playing your game and hearing... You talk about the screams, you know, seeing your favorite death scenes, but also just the dialogue that you love so much in some of the most quotable movies. Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the amount of just sublimely cheesy one-liners that have come out of, of, of horror just, you know amazing and stuff that's just you know not not necessarily just cheesy but there's been some really really you know awesome stuff that's come out of there as well so um well you said you didn't um, have as much exposure to like fangoria and stuff like that but let's talk what about books like you talk about the explosion of movies in the 80s how about stephen king that was huge for the horror genre stephen king but the 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 uh, the first horror book I, I'd say that I ever read was um, I don't know if you've ever read it, The Rats. Nope. Uh, that was it, that was the um, the first kind of book. I mean, it was it was, it was kind of passed around at school. It was by an author called James Herbert, I think, a British actor, a British author. Um, Makes sense. And uh, one of my, one of my friends had it. And I would be like, oh, there's this bit in there where where, where the, the rats eat this girl's face, and it's just, oh, I've got to, I've got to read it, I've got to read yeah. it, and we pass it around, and like, it got confiscated so many times by teachers. Just, <laughs> you know, how can you, how can you confiscate? Like, a kid wants to read, right? Like, this is how bent the You're system is. It. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to read. I, to tell you what, stop teaching me geography. Let the boy read. I mean, surely that's 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 more <laughs> beneficial. I mean, he's reading about a girl getting her face eaten by rats, but he's reading, he's engaging, his, his, his creativity is going, you know, it's like, um, but, but yeah, so there was, there was that, I mean, I, I was into the Maker and Adventure books, um, so if you remember, like, the, oh, what was it called now? Um, you about to tell me about Jules Verne? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just give you two seconds. Um... I think it was the kingdom of the. When you say kingdom, I imagine you're you're taking me into a fantasy world right now. Uh, well, they were like they were like horror stroke um, kind of fantasy novels. So so you know you would um, you know the ones where you like. You talking about the check. books that have the cover with the guy with the really long hair and no shirt? You're telling me that's what you read? <laughs> Not those type of books. <laughs> what kind of um, fantasy is this? Normally sort of skeletons and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I, I usually see those books at Half Price Books mixed in my sci-fi genre, and at first I didn't understand it because I was like, why does it fantasy have its own section? Why does it have to be mixed up in sci-fi? 
but then I started to see more of these books where it's like you got one and it looks like this amazing space station I want to read about. But then next to it, it's got this medieval looking guy, but he's fighting this demonic looking creature. Like, okay, this does actually work. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of, they were almost impossible to to, to kind of win at because our, our, our rule was always because you read a paragraph and it's like, if you go left, go to, you know, go to page 25. If you want to go right, oh. go to page 50. As long as our rule was, as long as you got your finger on the page, <laughs> if you took your finger off the page, that was it. You had to go with it. But if you kept your finger on the page, you could you could see what was coming up, um, and legitimately just go back. Oh no, no, I was going to go left anyway. Um, but they they were kind of what sort of always had my mind working, like especially at that age where I couldn't, you know, we, we didn't have TVs in our rooms, we didn't have. You know, for let alone VHS players in our rooms, we, we didn't have internet, we didn't have that. So you were just purely imagining everything yourself. So a book was a movie, really. Right. Like, anyway. So you kind of, it really got you to, to me, me personally, with my sort of headspace that I was in, just always imagining these, these like places and things. And, and you know, it's, it's what really got me into kind of from reading that to drawing stuff because it was like oh, I'll just make my own stuff and then you start trying to draw your own what's the process for you like when you are feeling inspired like Neil's ready to work on his project what's the daily grind look like uh, it's it's I'm I'm kind of whenever I speak to other artists like I'm so surprised about my lack of planning because <laughs> okay. uh, Everybody else is like meticulous. Like a lot of people I um, I've spoken to are kind of like, oh, I plan everything. Like even if it's just a personal project, I will sit there and I will draw out seven or eight different things. I'm like, no, I don't do that. I, they, uh, I will literally sit down and go right. I have a I just have a vision in my head, and it's like right. I'm just going to do that. I don't. Stuff will can evolve and change as I'm doing it, but but I have this like. I think it's the autism in me. It's kind of like the the. I just I'll just wake up or I'll just uh, or I'll just think I'll be middle of there, be making a drink and just like got it. And I'll just I'll just it, it will just stay there then, and I can just I just work on that. I don't have to have it written down. I'll never forget it. It's just kind of ingrained until I've done it and got it out, and then it's like then I'll let it go. But um, and then you come back yeah, to I'm, it five minutes later and stare at it. Yeah, just, <laughs> just what have I done? This is horrible. Um, let me ask but, you this question real quick. Have yeah. you ever found yourself uh, just having some me time? You know, you're alone in the room. You're going to throw in a good horror flick. Just going to take a couple hours out of your day and feel good, man. And then you finish a movie, and then you immediately think to yourself, I have to make a poster for this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I barely – if I go to the cinema, I, I'm normally, as I'm coming out of the door, got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, so I, I, need to, I need to get home. You know, my wife want to go shopping. I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to get home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird how that kind of works. Like I'll be I'll be sitting there watching something, and I just it just this weird thing just forms like in my head. Like it's it's like it's sketching itself out, and I'll just be sitting there watching the film and be like, uh huh. And I can almost see it coming together in my head. And by the end of the film, it's like got it. I've got, to, I've got to go do this now. Yeah, but but again, I think that's that's a very weird way my brain is wired. That, that, I mean, 
to each their own, man. We all have our, our things that make us who we are individually, but I love diving into that and, and like, okay, I, I, Neil watches this movie. How does he start his next project? Oh, well, you know, he doesn't sit down and, and okay, for one hour I'm going to drink coffee and think, and, and for the next hour I'm going to work on the left side, then the right side. Neil says, I see this in my brain, and i got to hurry and sketch it out before it leaves my brain, and then it becomes some of the masterpieces that you've put out, man. But uh, yeah, but the the thing is, it that kind of stuff actually really helps me when I go into a client meeting or if I'm on a Zoom call with a client because they'll be talking to me about their vision of this film, and it will happen then. So uh, like I'll be sitting there with the director and he'll be telling me about his film, and I've already got it. Like it'd be like, yeah, yeah you know what? Shut up! I'll, I'll go and do it. Like just, yeah, I need to enough. hop off this call right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've got it. Don't don't say anything else. I've got it. It's fine. Um, and it's, it comes from it also comes from practice i mean i used to do this when i started out i used to do this thing it'd be like a two-hour challenge and i go right i got two hours to sketch out make a poster didn't always well rarely ever looked good but it was more a case of getting an idea down and making it good enough um, and making you know it's more compositional wise so I used to just do that over and over again. It's like, right, I'm going to do it for this movie. I'm going to do it for this movie. And you just, it just gets your brain thinking quick. So when I do go into meetings with clients, then it's, I can very normally fairly quickly figure out what they want. But again, with, with horror, there are certain notes that are almost a must if you're doing horror artwork. So, I mean, it's, there's also that base that you always tend to work with, which right. is, you know, that what makes horror. Dot the eyes, man. I get it. Yeah. Um, it's and when I try and do something that everybody's done to death. So, for example, like everybody's done a Jaws poster. Everybody's done like a Jurassic Park poster. And it's like, okay, well, I can't just do the same because everybody's done it ultimately better than I have. So I have to think of something else, which is how I ended up starting that desktop series I did. Yep. Because it's like, how how do I do the poster that's been done to death different to everybody else. Yeah. You have to come at it with an outside of the box idea, but you also still have to have that Neil Frazier imprint on it. And those desktop ones are fantastic. I saw those on Facebook. Those are awesome. Yeah. And I mean, again, that, that started out as, um, I started off with an aliens one because that was me trying to figure out lighting for an actual job I was working on. And I was, I couldn't, I couldn't, I was like, I can't keep practicing on this picture because I'm just going to make it muddy. So I have to do something else, work on the lighting. Um, and it was like, hang on, this is actually, <laughs> I might have something here. Yeah. Again, that's one of those just, just like, uh, just weird things that happen. Whereas, you know, I, I can't explain how that came out really. Just... What's your perfect working environment? Are you somebody that is, alone in his workspace or are you somebody that needs to be out in the world with the sun shining until that perfect moment uh, to, to be honest i've had stuff come at me both ways i mean I, I i don't once i've got an idea it really doesn't matter i could sit here with in the dark with the lights out or i could sit here with it, it kind of depends what mood i'm in if i if i'm in a bad mood i'll put something on because it's difficult to work. There's certain funks I get in where it's just like, I can't, I, you know, if I'm upset or something, if I'm angry or something, it's like, I can't work. I just have to, I can't do it now. It's like, it, it's not conducive to the free flowing kind of, I need to be Zen. Yep. Like, however that comes, I mean, I, I you know, now I've got me, me, my two cats, 
I like mm. I like having them around because when you know for a while um, after I lost my mother-in-law and 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 my other cat, it's so quiet. So I, I just I just couldn't work. It's like I can't. It's too quiet. Like, I don't, I need it to be quiet, but not right. deathly silent. Right. So it's the absence of some things. Right. Yeah. Now I've got chaos uh, with these oh, two, I mean, two monsters. <laughs> yeah, two, these two monsters I've adopted, and um, uh, you know I'm starting to sort of find my funk again, and I you know just have have my tablet on or um, I sometimes listen to music. I, I'm really not that big on listening to music while I work. I prefer to have something visual than yeah. audio for some reason. I don't I don't know where that is, but um, just there, there's no there's no perfect way to come up with an idea it's, uh, for me personally. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, for me as a writer, I need isolation and I feel like there's reasons why I'm really a big Edgar Allan Poe fan. You know, I can relate to depression, loneliness, betrayal, mystery. And though I don't intentionally seek these things out, I've always had the understanding of like atmosphere and circumstance, right? That creates a story. And I'll tell you with horror, probably my two favorite subgenres are monster movies you know be it very old monster movies of the late 40s and 50s and, and jalo films right so between you and i i've never tried to write a kaju film I, I don't know if i could but when i become infatuated with a story it usually involves character backstory and character development and so Again, yeah, I don't have much experience in writing about animals that grow larger than life and attack a cine, but I love to watch those movies. I do love to write about internal conflict that a character or a monster, air quotes, goes through. And when it becomes the story that's more of the monster's the good guy and the man becomes the monster, I'm completely hooked. Oh, yeah, I mean, sort of... I've kind of always wondered because I've got a few, you know, including yourself. I have a few friends that are writers, and the the even just for a basic, you know, uh, cop on the run style thriller, the amount of backstory and planning that needs to go in to do something like a cage that's going to have law. <laughs> I just can't. That's something I personally can't get my head around. Just the fact that I'm so disorganised. I think that that. that to be able for somebody, you know, a writer to put into a kind of an order all this stuff and all this backstory. I mean, I can't even put my life into a. I couldn't <laughs> put my life into a compartment, let alone somebody else who's not even real. Just you know, and then that that kind of blows my mind that people can do that. Well, I love stuff like Phantom of the Opera. You know, Creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, all the Universal monsters and Hammer horror, but. Maybe even more specifically outside of the creature would be stuff like The Creature Walks Among Us, that third film in there, where the monster truly becomes uh, the hero and the man is the true monster inside. But even as mainstream as like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? It's just completely fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we used to sort of visit um, my stepmom's parents for like two or three weeks in the summer and, and they they were very, very old school. I mean, they, they had this old black and white TV and they just had racks of VHS tapes. Um, but it was all old stuff, 
what, what I would consider old stuff. Oh, so, oh, you mean good stuff? You know, okay, continue. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, your you know your classic Universal monsters, your you know the original um, thing from a, another world. Um, Great movie. Yep. Oh, the first time I ever saw that was on was uh, just in a in their living room. Just it was. It's an amazing movie. Oh, it, fantastic! And, and the it, good thing about that is 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 because it's so sort of PG. It ended up being on like Saturday afternoons and stuff because it was so non-offensive in, in sort of by that point in the 80s. It was so non-offensive because nothing really gory happened in the original. It's kind of just a... Right. Um, it's what you don't see that's scary. Yeah. And that's, that's also one of the most perfect examples of an original and a remake both done right that you can love equally. Oh yeah, both completely different kind of ways of approaching the same story right but the uh, outline I mean, is still there yeah absolutely um you know the, the both interpretations of that one short story which is a fantastic short story so who goes there isn't it the, the original short story yep. um both amazing kind of interpretations of that same base story but just both amazing like i could watch you, know, you could almost watch one after the other and just like yeah this is awesome well you know <laughs> Speaking of that, exactly watching one after another and you know the rabbit holes that you go through on YouTube, one of my biggest rabbit holes is, is the second thing I brought up, and that's the Jalo films. And I don't know what it is, but I absolutely love a good murder mystery. Yeah, I mean, that's I always get I always get stick for this, but it's never really been a genre I've particularly got into. Is the Jalo stuff? Um, I don't know why. I, I know I'd love it. It's just. Never really... Never been bitten by the bug? No, I mean, I, I think it's... People that love Jello love Jello. <laughs> I think maybe that's what's kind of... Well, I mean, even it. look at John Carpenter, you know, the original Halloween pulls so much from uh, Dario Gento's work, and I love Dario Gento and Sergio Martino. You got Fulci, Bava, the list goes on and on, but something about... The POV, the killer's hands, the who done it aspect—it really entices me. Yeah, and I mean, I think we, we you know, uh, had the, the, the had there not been that, you wouldn't have had the Black, uh, Black Christmas. If you hadn't had Black Christmas, yeah. you wouldn't have had Halloween. There's right. this whole whole knock-on effect of, of 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 awesomeness that that you know what one idea has spawned a whole whole genre I'm, I'm happy to say that Tubi has a wonderful selection of Jalo films and so if anybody's ever like what are these guys talking about or how can I get my hands on more I, I definitely push the physical format you build your DVD and Blu-ray collection to the ceiling but sometimes if convenience or uh, no convenience wins then go on Tubi and look up you know Dario Gento and, and you'll see his catalog of movies and then it's also like something like this or something you might like it leads you down that rabbit hole that's so good to go down and you'll find some movies that you probably never heard of but you'd be so happy that you've seen yeah i mean i i am definitely taking your advice on this and i will be i will be checking some out because i think it's about time i did to be honest I, there's just something about it that works like i think you know we got movies that became very popular in america in the 90s right scream i know what you did last summer 
And the biggest thing about these movies that worked was the whodunit aspect. You know, you're introduced to a handful of characters. They're all dealing with something. And at the end, you find out somebody you thought you knew you didn't know all along because they're the killer or they're the bad guy or girl or whatever the case is. And that's, man, that's been, that goes all the way back to the 60s and 70s, these Jalo films. They're terrific. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I'm a massive true crime fan. I mean, if I'm not watching horror films, I'm listening to true crime podcasts or I'm watching true crime videos or, um, so, you know, that I do, you know, one, one of my good friends is a, is a, is a crime writer. Um, so he's written several books and, you know, I'm, I'm into that kind of, that style of things as well. So I definitely need to be, um, checking into this. I mean, cause I, I grew up with those TV shows in the, in the eighties and nineties, like, um, the whodunit. So the, um, the, um, the murder mystery TV shows and you know, Columbo's and, and um, Murder She Wrote. <laughs> murder She Wrote was the one I was thinking of. Um, and that's I a big thing that, too. I mean, we, we talked about books and magazines and movies, but television programs, you know, once they started pushing out horror, I mean, my love goes all the way back to Twilight Zone. Yeah, well, I mean, you could, I mean, you could say Scooby-Doo was a, a kid's horror. Uh, so, do you, love it. you, yes. You sort of look at that, and then uh, you know you look at the kids' films, um, like Neverending Story. I would consider Return to uh, Oz. Sem- uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to forget about that film. I'm still haunted by it. But you know, there's there's they really tried to traumatize kids back then. So there was always this kind of uh, sort of slow introduction. You know, there's an introduction to horror, like. Uh, you know, literally the first thing you could watch was a Scooby-Doo and that was, you know, monsters and, and, and creepy and, and yep, the whodunit, so, it's all there. Yeah. Um, so, and then, I mean, then you go into to a lot of the stuff, like you say, that sort of your V, the series, you've got, um, Twilight Zone Then we had the Outer Limits, um, which I don't know how popular that was in America. It was pretty big here. The next I would say it's not as big as Twilight Zone, but it holds its own to be in the same conversation. And I think the mm. biggest thing about Twilight Zone, the writing, the who shows up, you know, before they were famous type deal. But man, I think Twilight Zone was damn near the birth of like the twist ending. Yeah, I mean that they 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 had some some crazy ones. Just just it's always like they went right. What's a twist, right? And then how do we work the story back? So it's almost like they would come up. They must have just sat there and just had like right. Let's write all these twist endings and then get work backwards because you to to work out work up to so many amazing twist endings. What they is, were able to do in a twenty-five minute episode is mind-bending. Oh yeah. Um, just, I mean, I know that, that you know Stephen King's shorts, uh, short stories um, as well were were just uh, incredible. Some of those as well, and yeah, especially the, the you know the Twilight Zone was had to have some incredible um, twist. The one with the is it the library with the the guy mm-hmm. that goes blind. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say too just, much because I'm planning on doing a top five Twilight Zone episode <laughs> in, in the future. But yes, everything you're going to say times ten. Yeah, but I mean they, they they're still mentioned to, to this day, aren't they? I mean some of some of those uh, the referenced in in, Simpsons, in, in shows nonstop. Yeah, Simpsons. Yep. Yeah. So I mean they, they stuck with a lot of people. Um, 
and it's one of those. I'm surprised that they haven't redone those some of those stories um, in modern times. But well, some uh, of the biggest horror directors today, Jordan Peele, M. Night Shyamalan, some of their stories go all the way back to Twilight Zone inspirations, and it's clear as day once you know. Oh yeah, I'm, I've got no doubt that that. Um, I mean, especially Jordan Peele, I can absolutely see, especially slow burn stuff. You can see that it's more, it has that build up of a of, a, of an, an older style, which I think is why he gets a lot of mixed kind of reviews because you know people now want you know stuff going all the time, jangling the keys, yeah, jangling the keys, and you're constantly attention, attention, attention. Whereas he's like this slow burn, let's build up tension. Let's, like, I mean, I watched Nope fairly recently, and it's just. You know something's going on, but but nothing is even attempted to be kind of explained. It's just a slow kind of what you know, what's going on, what's going it's on, what's like going bread on. Breadcrumbs, right? Like you just get a little bit through the story until the end, till you reach. Um, it's, it, it's an incredible filmmaker, and I um, he, he's one of my my, my sort of my favorites. He's he's so ingrained in horror now, but he's not like anybody else in horror now so he's he's a terrific storyteller yeah um and like, i think like i only realized like a year ago that he was peel from key and peel but um <laughs> i just had never also a terrific I, comedian <laughs> i just never put those things together i don't know why um but um yeah it's he's, he's fantastic and um you can see his inspirations are, are taken from that old school style of of writing as well so one of the last things i wanted to talk to you about is the spooky season right in the setting of halloween you know when the temperature drops or at least it starts to drop and the leaves turn orange does that particular environment do anything for you as a horror content creator <laughs> yes i mean there's this kind of, you know, I find it odd sort of doing spooky stuff through through sort of midsummer when it's sort of kind of you know thirty degrees and it's like oh, it's, it's a bit hot out here. Thirty degrees UK, so Celsius, not, not thirty <laughs> degrees US. Um, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely. I think I, I think for me personally, because there's um, an uptake around sort of September October in people engaging with horror content that I tend to get a bit of a boost. I mean, weirdly, my actual commissioned work goes down around October to December huh. um, because I think festival season's done. People aren't filming because it's coming up to winter, so you, you get like a push at the end of the summer and then there's just sort of nothing. By the time you get to November, you're Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, then stuff will pick up again in February. Um, so actual, you know, people paying me to do work goes down but engagement with anything i put out is much higher um i'm hoping that's going to be different this year um but yeah it's it's um definitely a, a change in uptake and you know especially a lot of horror films come out around yes. sort of september october so and i mean i saw today that that's the exorcist is coming out in yep. october i think so um, Blumhouse's yearly 
let's get Halloween style right, film out. Right this Halloween. year we got Saw Ten, which I'm very much looking forward to. But the reason that I ask you this question is because this is a this is a question that I've struggled with for a long time. Because being a massive horror fan for a very long time, every day is horror. This is a universe and world that you live and breathe. And then there's a point in time when it becomes pushed in your face. And at first, I don't want to say I resented it because it was like, okay, now everybody wants to be in the horror club, you know, because we should accept everybody with open arms. And, and I do now, but for the longest time as a teenager, it's like, okay, now the world wants, you know, you got Walmart and all these places that, you know, the masks are out and it's cool because now we can look at this stuff. But it kind of felt like people were sticking their nose in my business. You know what I mean? But now, you know, I'm pushing 39 years old and stuff. I've learned a lot, especially over the last, geez, like let's just say nine years, you know, passing through my entire 30s and stuff. It's the more the merrier. And I embrace a lot of nostalgic things when it comes to the Halloween season. And you talked about earlier, like Scooby-Doo. It's not one of those things. I, I said I'm looking forward to Salt Tin, and I very much am. But now, when I think of Halloween as a season... It's one of those things where it's like, I remember what I like to do as a kid. Now I want to go back, buy that bag of candy. Now I want to see what horror TV shows or horror specials are coming on television and kind of relive some of those memories. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I think I've been the same as you. I've embraced it more the older I've got that kind of, you know, it, it was never a season when I was, you know, when I was younger, it was kind of like... It was just like uh, just something that was was kind of a weird thing for people to be into. It's like horror. Like no, we 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 like we like these things, not 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 horror films. And they're not like you when when people. It seemed to be you'd get these kind of once a year horror fans. Yeah. No, I love horror. And then it's like, well, you ask them about a film, and I, I was like, well, you know, what did you think of Halloween three? Huh? Oh, I've never seen it. So, like, well, you're not horror fan, but you know, I, <laughs> I, I, Neil draws a line. If you haven't seen Halloween three, you're out the door. Yeah, we we start throwing hands if if you know, um, <laughs> because then there was that 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 thing where it's like, oh, it, it was like, let's hate on Halloween three. To use that as an example again, it's like that was always coming from, uh, I'd say, non horror fans because actual horror fans appreciated the, the the what it was like. Sure. I mean, it, it had that not been associated with Halloween, that would have been, I, I guarantee, one of the best um, horror flicks of the eighties. It would have been so highly regarded if it hadn't been any, if it was completely devoid of being involved in Halloween. And I can even draw uh, parallels between Halloween three and a certain episode of Twilight Zone. I mean, you're right. Like, if it didn't have the Michael Myers franchise tag name on it, and it would have just been called masks or something uh, you know and we i don't know why it is every time you and i podcast together we have a halloween three chat i know we both absolutely love the film and we don't need to defend it and whatnot but that is a good example of um hey you know what kind of horror fan are you but the reason like i said i ask you this question is i, I got some special plans this year i'm really excited uh, last year, you know, I did an All Things Dave Halloween special. I invited Andy on here, and we just talked about, like, our favorite rituals and, and things we have to do for Halloween. Where this year, I may still do something similar to that, but I definitely have a couple of episodes in the can that I'm going to be working on. I'm going to bring Julie on here, and she's going to get to experience some of my most favorite treasured Halloween memories in cartoon form. So that's going to be fun. Ooh, that sounds intriguing. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, Halloween wasn't. It's it was so sort of it was a shame for for I mean us in the UK. Halloween it never it didn't really take off as a thing in in uh, England until I was probably just getting too old to be in. You know, I used to watch like American style things, and he had Halloween's were huge. It seemed to be like this massive thing. Just never. I mean, we'd go trick or treating, but that was that was kind of it. It wasn't really a. You're like we didn't even dress up. We just went trick or treating. Uh, t- when I say dressing up, it w- it would have been like a plastic, like a a plastic pullover thing of like He-Man uh, and like a plastic sword or sure. Chewbacca thing with them. That that was the extent of, of you know. <laughs> um, but I remember going to my first Halloween party when I was 17. Uh, things that I'd always seen on American TV shows. Somebody said, "Oh, we're throwing a Halloween party." It's like, hell yeah. And it was by far the best party I ever attended in my sort of teenage life because it was, you know, it just happened to be full of people that were into the same shit I was. So it was metal music and and, and horror stuff. And it's just like, where have all these where have all these people been? Like, I grew (laughs) up like my entire sort of teenage, you know, from going to to school um, to um, secondary school or high school. Um, just everybody was into the same boring stuff and then sort of hit college and I just met all these like-minded people that just were into all the same stuff and it opened up a whole new world of of kind of life because I, you know, I think my best, my most kind of some of my favourite years were between 17 and like 22, just like... Yeah. Well, look at your just, social network now, man, full of the horror community. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I wish, I wish there'd been sort of stuff like this when I was when I was a teenager. But well, then again, as an adult now, you can appreciate it, though. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other week, and we were like, if there had been social media when we were we were teenagers, I mean, we would have both been cancelled a long time ago. <laughs> so it's probably, probably a right. good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I the, the community that I'm involved with on social media now is just some of the best people that, um, and it's the best it's the best community out there. I mean, I'm, there's some creeps I know, but you know, as a whole, I mean, it also it crosses the horror crosses like with writers, with authors, with filmmakers, with artists, with you know, um, just like this whole subset of different careers all coming together i mean uh, music as well so so um um it's just this whole kind of crossover of different people but all with that same love for this we one all meet at the John. conventions <laughs> exactly um and i'm hoping to be attending my first proper horror convention because i keep missing them because i'm terrible at um booking stuff like this um so i'm really looking forward to actually getting to a proper horror con um, is that something that's coming yeah. up this year or next year? Uh, I've missed all the big ones, um, but I've got a small one um, with most of the cast of Hellraiser. They're going to be there, and that's in September. And then I've got one in October, another small one in October. But I now have a booking agent who will make sure that I don't miss, <laughs> I don't miss cons because I'm I'm terrible at actually organising stuff like that. So somebody's be have to do it for me. 
make sure I get into all these. Um, and I start attending some of the bigger ones because for the love of horror, which is a massive, massive horror con in the UK, it's the biggest one in the UK. And I keep missing it. Two years running, I have failed to get my booking in on time. But next well, year, next. Okay, so you fail at booking conventions, but you don't fail at providing some of the best horror content in poster form, uh, whether it be your desktop posters, your love for Scream, or Exorcist, or anything your buddy Phantom Dark Dave calls you to the task to do. But uh, let's wrap this thing up with you, my man. I brought you on here to ask you and talk to you about horror that inspires you. Let's promote the horror that you do, man. Where can people find you? What do you have going on? And what can people keep their eyes open for? Um, so you can find me on socials. Um, so Neil Fraser 78 on huh, X now or, or, or Twitter, uh, as it used Depending to be called. When you listen to this episode. Yep. Yeah. Um, Instagram, Neil Fraser graphics, Facebook, Neil Fraser graphics, uh, and threads. I am Neil Fraser graphics. Um, so basically, um, I am now a full-time artist, um, and, uh, try and, to make um, make a go of this full time, so obviously all inquiries welcome. I mean, I'm I've got a fair amount of bookings coming in, uh, and it's cross. I'm working on some computer games. I'm I'm, I'm working on novels, um, movie posters, pitch decks. Um, I'm, I'm I'll try everything. I've got a couple. Uh, I'm working on a record. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm game for anything basically, but. Um, I've got a fair fair amount of work on. I'm still trying to do. I've got a whole bunch of uh, private work that I'm thinking of, personal work that I'm trying to. It's in my head that I need to get out. So hopefully there'll be a whole bunch of new drops coming soon. Um, now I've got a bit more time <laughs> to work on things. So um, yeah, and I mean I'm hoping to. Like I said, I've got a booking agent now, so I'm hoping to start appearing at a lot more cons, uh, increase the profile a bit, um, and I'm determined that. By the end of next year, I'll have hoping to be hitting America conventions because that's the that's my my top tier goal is to be booked to attend some cons out in the US because you have some of the best horror cons. We do, man. It's a I've great place to be. And Texas, California, some of the two biggest states. Uh, I know Alaska is supposed to be up there, but we have some just amazing horror conventions. And, and the smaller states, too, in between seem to always put together something that makes me scratch my head and go, well, how did I miss that? So you're not alone, man. But if people want to recognize your work, obviously they can hop on your website. You mentioned the Neil Fraser, uh, Neil Fraser graphics.com. I know you have Facebook. You have the shop on there. People might notice your work. You did some work with the host uh, VHS cover as well, right? The reversible cover. Yeah. Uh, well, I did the I did the DVD or Blu-ray cover, and okay. I also did the special edition VHS uh, tape that came out um, a couple of years ago. Um, and you also did the I, cover for Unlisted Owner Director's Cut, right? I, I did do. I, uh, yes, uh, Jeff Bryan um, very kindly offered to um, work with me on that. He has something new coming up soon, so I'm speaking to him about stuff mm -hmm. that's going on there. Um, I've worked with Josh Rubin uh, from Werewolves Within and Scare Me on uh, stuff that I did with them. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on some things. I have did some work with um, uh, Ashley Lawrence from Hellraiser. Yep. So I've been 
she's she's trying to negotiate, hopefully, to get my Hellraiser artwork onto a t-shirt with Fright Rag. So she's she's cool. been she's been behind the scenes asking about that, which is very very nice of her. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, it's a world that I've kind of slipped into that um, that I still find bizarre, but here I am. <laughs> it's not as bizarre as the Hellraiser film, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, when you think back to like, a kid, like, stood in a store looking at all these things, now that I, I know some of the people that were in those videos, I know some of the people that did artwork, you know, I mean, being such a huge John Alvin fan, I think we spoke about this before having, you know, he passed away 10 years ago or so, but to have his wife send me a message after I did an interview where I mentioned him just it meant so much to me because he was an absolute hero. Um, so to be even anywhere around the that, same conversation. That, yeah. Just <laughs> well, insane. a lot of people will know you because you come on this podcast a lot. Uh, I do recommend some of the previous episodes we've done where we talked about top five horror posters, sci-fi posters, uh, comic book posters. And Neil, I think an episode that we need to tackle in the near future, uh, you kind of just sparked for me. And I, how would you like to come on here and do top five horror VHS covers? Oh, you know I'd be up for that. Okay, and I will say, if possible, let's try to avoid VHS covers that are on our top five poster list, just to flare it up a little bit and make it interesting. Oh, yeah, that lets me go down a wonderful rabbit hole, that does, so I'm, I'm definitely in for that. All right, man, well, when you're not making posters, just keep watching horror movies. I appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show and telling me about what it is at horror that inspires you. Thank you, buddy. It's been great. there you have it horror that inspires us what'd you guys think i really hope you appreciated this episode and it was just really fun to listen to i had a great time taking an in-depth look uh, about the creative process for neil and then kind of explaining to you guys what horror does for me not only as a content creator but just as a person right i'm nobody who's larger than life i produce this show i've written some things and they've kind of seen the light of day but i'm kind of like the opening of the goosebumps thing i have this full briefcase full of material that i've written that is probably going to stay in that briefcase i don't know but the biggest connection that we have in the horror community is like what made us who we are you know whether it's the cartoons or the novels or the comic books i didn't even get to talk about horror comic books with neil but tv shows movies there's so many things that make us who we are and the strength of the horror community am i gonna put on a mask and go kill people like michael myers no of course not do i want to watch that movie a million times yes and you guys know what i'm talking about what an amazing franchise but it's just such a interesting philosophical thing to look at of what makes us who we are because the horror community and everything that comes with it has been such just a backbone of my life and I don't know where I would be without it so to all my listeners out there and everybody who appreciates understands or just loves horror 
I love you, man. But I'll let that be that. You guys have a wonderful day. And thanks for listening to the All Things Dave podcast. Mm-hmm.